Hey folks, before this episode of Podcast on Fire, I want to point you towards the store of our friends at Terracotta Distribution. At shop.terracottadistribution.com you'll find all titles from labels such as 88 Films, Arrow, Video, Cineasia, Third Window, Eureka and of course Terracotta's own line of Hong Kong, Taiwanese, Korean and Japanese titles. Find them at shop terracottadistribution.com and podcast on fire network listeners get 10% off at checkout using the code eternal rose that's capital e t e r n a l capital r o s e eternal rose all in one word go to shop.terracottadistribution.com and now let's get on with the show Welcome to a podcast on fire on the Young Dragons. John Woo comes out swinging and kicking for his debut feature 1973's The Young Dragons with Jackie Chan as his action director. My name is Kenobi and with me to help slowly but surely fill in the gaps of filmographies because we've done so so many movies across uh, the podcast on fire coverage. I I want to start to consciously uh, to start, start filling like the essential gaps of uh, key directors and why not start at the beginning of one such key director's uh, filmography, John Woo's in this case, and uh, the person with me to help me fill in uh, this uh, particular uh, gap is uh, Paul Fox of the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Hello, hello. Always a pleasure to be here, sir. So thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, it's it's like a long project, obviously. Um, and uh, I don't know to what extent I'm going to complete the filmographies like John's, but uh, still, because I, I don't know if I'm going to want to cover the whole uh, comedy era necessarily because they're not all good uh, and people are not waiting for our coverage on money crazy necessarily <laughs> but maybe like hit uh, like plain jane to the rescue and things like that you know eventually but we're here uh, at the stage uh, where he made his first um, kung fu movie and uh, there is some history behind it so uh, let's get into it some brief contact uh, information and uh, this is podcast on fire on the podcast on fire network and uh, this show and the back catalogue of uh, all our coverage uh, across the various genres across Hong Kong cinema is available on podcastonfire.com. Uh, we have a bonus episode archive as well. If you have any questions or feedback, let us know. Podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Hit us up on social media. We have a variety of uh, social media uh, presences. Uh, so click the Facebook button, for instance, or the Twitter button, or follow us on Instagram and all that good stuff. And uh, aside from the website, we're also available on uh, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or wherever you find podcasts. And I review a variety of uh, Taiwanese and uh, Hong Kong movies on my website, SoGoodReviews.com. And if you want to follow my tweets, I'm at SoGoodReviews. And uh, Paul Fox uh, has a podcast. It's currently on hiatus. We're hoping you come back soon. But uh, obviously, the archive is still up and uh, running. So uh, why don't you plug yeah, plug the, the show? Yeah, the show was called East Screen, West Screen. And you can find it over at uh, Kongcast.com, where we used to talk about uh, a lot of contemporary Hong Kong cinema. Uh, myself and my good uh, friend and co-host, Mr. Kevin Ma. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in that kind of thing, please go give it a listen. 
the, the man who translates uh, all the movies you like, uh, Kevin Ma, he's, uh, he's staying busy, all right, so uh, it's uh, difficult to get together based on uh, based on that, but uh, your archive is uh, very precious to, uh, to a lot of listeners, including me, so uh, be sure to check it out, uh, listeners, I'm on every now and again, I believe uh, the last time I was on we did like a Halloween episode for 2020, where we talked um, Kiki's Delivery Service, both live right. action and anime. So uh, do check that out. Uh, so let's uh, get on with it. Uh, we're going to take a music uh, break, play a little snippet from The Young Dragons and also explain uh, why you'll find this as a 1975 movie and a 1973 movie when you look it, out there, uh, look it up. There's an explanation for that. So sit tight and we'll be right back. And welcome back. And the movie for this episode is John Woo's The Young Dragons from 1973 and plot from Hong Kong Movie Database. The story takes place during the Chinese Republican era with Henry Yu as an, opportun- uh, as an opportunist but lovable rogue called Kin. And he's the leader of a small gang of efficient uh, criminals. But he's a small cog compared to the smuggling operation of Boss Lung and his hired number one thug Wang Fai played by, played by Fong Hak Ong. Uh, Kin steals a load of Japanese firearms from Boss Long and uses them as bait to get even more money. As he is trying to make money off of this racket, in the meantime, a government agent uh, called Fan Ming, Fan Ming, played by Lao Kong, is trying to stop these smugglers slash racketeers as he has a personal vengeance, uh, a, a personal vengeance vendetta, I suppose, against Boss Long. And uh, and yeah, let's uh, share some background on this uh, kung fu movie. So at this point. In his career, John Woo had been a continuity assistant at Cafe Studios before moving on to their rival, Shaw Brothers. Uh, that was a sort of internship that led to being taken in by one of the studio's chief filmmakers, Chang Che. And eventually, John Woo graduated to assistant director on films like The Water Margin, Water Margin which is a big, big production, and Boxer from Shantung. And there he obviously got to take lessons in staging action, but he was also very receptive to Chang Chie's ideas of male bonding and brotherhood, self-sacrifice, loyalty, chivalrous heroism. And uh, as you all know, John would mold these cinematic traits based on these uh, notions into his own when making his uh, modern-day heroic bloodshed films. But they show up in his uh, kung fu films leading up to A Better Tomorrow as well. And leading into his debut film at hand here, The Young Dragons, we actually stopped briefly at 1973's Fist to Fist. And I can't fully confirm this, but this is what I've heard. He's listed as assistant director on Fist to Fist. It's not a Shaw Brothers film. But reportedly, John Woo directed all of or a significant part of this basher uh, that was released uh, two years before his actual debut, The Young Dragons, was uh, released. Uh, So it was made in the same year as Young Dragons, uh, but Young Dragons came two years later. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, There's even a story strand in Fist to Fist about a blind girl, so perhaps... uh, it's perhaps no coincidence, uh, it's an integral part of his 1989 heroic bloodshed uh, classic, The Killer. So, yeah, it's a theory. Uh, but uh, The Young Dragons was indeed made closer to fist to fist in 1973, and uh, not just 
before its 1975 release date. And uh, Young Dragons was independently produced by a, a friend he made at uh, Shaw Brothers, a connected friend. And uh, when it was made, Young Dragons, uh, it was offered to Shaw Brothers to presumably, you know, di- distribute. It was done. But they declined on the basis of excessive uh, violence, which seemed um, ironic considering the studio really made violent films, including Chang Chia, but censors were coming down hard on kung fu movies in uh, the 70s after all, so maybe they were a bit uh, hesitant. Uh, I mean, even the uh, sequel to The Water Margin, uh, All Men Are Brothers, it was uh, released like two years after it was completed, and it kind of was gutted. The DVD version of All Men Are Brothers had some stuff put in, but clearly it's um, they really went at it. Uh, Chang Chia couldn't make his usual blood-soaked type of films um, anymore. So there was sort of a transition period where Kung Fu moves were deemed to be uh, just too much, too violent, uh, too impactful, too gory. So um, uh, reviewer, uh, master of one-inch punch on Hong Kong Movie Database, uh, talks a little about uh, the excessive violence of uh, the young dragons in uh, what the censors objected to. Specifically, the weapon that Fung Hakon uses in the film, which is like a pair of gloves with needles in them. And Lao Kong is the recipient of those, uh, as we see via his uh, scarring in the latter stages of uh, the film, like uh, half of his face has uh, scar makeup on it. And according to the reviewer, it was uh, deemed to be something audiences and youth could imitate. And it had to go or be toned down. And in the end, a censored version of The Young Dragons played in 1975. And uh, it was um, Golden Harvest who bought it eventually. So that's why you had the Golden Harvest logo before it. And it led to John's three-year contract with uh, with Golden Harvest. And he was shipped out to Korea to make the Dragon Tamers and Hand of Death, co-starring a young Jackie Chan. But uh, John Woo and Jackie Chan had crossed paths before and were collaborators on the young dragons. Uh, Jackie had been featured as an extra on Fist to Fist. And um, at, at Golden Harvest, he was working away and performing admirable stunts on Fist of Fury, for instance, while trying to break into the industry as a lead. He had a lead role in The Cup Tiger from Kwang Tung, which failed to make any impact. And that was later re-edited into Master with Cracked Fingers. And uh, Jackie went back to Australia, where his parents worked. Uh, but uh, Hong Kong called him. The, the aim eventually was to just, just continue just continue doing stunts and work. And uh, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll catch a break. And uh, John Woo hired him as co action director on uh, Young Dragons rather than just Stuntman. I don't know if anyone has spotted Jackie in the film necessarily or if he just stayed uh, behind the scenes. Uh, and uh, going back uh, to Shaw's rejection of the film on the basis of violence, and uh, uh, I, I can't confirm its state during the cinema run, but we did have a print on Hong Kong VCD from Joy Sales from, from a cinema version with burned in subtitles that was cut by several minutes and I, I used to have a copy of it but I can't locate it for comparison but I remember, I remember a good chunk of extra violence uh, was missing when I scanned it back then just very briefly uh, the subsequent Joy Sales DVD that you might have listeners was, was 93 minutes long uh, but missing 40 seconds from the rape scene while the French uh, DVD that uh, is available in a double pack with uh, John Woo's The Dragon Tamers was uh, uncut, and uh, we had the pleasure of watching it uncut with uh, with subtitles uh, put on it uh, based on that French DVD version. So um, uh, we we uh, we got to see uh, the 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 glove with the needles in full uh, full view, I suppose. So. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, so that's the background. We're going to transition into the review. And uh, uh, why, don't, uh, why don't you lead off in terms of uh, 
brief review of this John Woo's very first film. I mean, you weren't expecting like, oh, it's going to be as great as the latter work right out of the gate. Or what did you think? Obviously, the earliest of early John Woo, uh, if you go by the official listing, as you said, it you can see elements of a lot of what would come later, what he'd become famous for later. Um, but at the same time, I mean, if you just take this film at face value, it's not a great film by by you know any any great length. It is a it is a film that does bear the merits of somebody who's fairly young and fairly new in the, the directorial role. And I think it the biggest problem it has as a film is that it really still lingers heavily heavily in the shadow of the big boss. Um, you know, Bruce Lee's feature, which really kind of rocked the martial arts cinema industry in his approach to making the, the martial arts film of the era. And so it it's trying its best to sort of tap into that. And there are a lot of thematic elements um, that are similar. There are a lot of uh, there. There's similar choreography in, in some cases. Of course, it doesn't quite have that same sense of dynamic energy that you find um, in the big boss with the leads here. But it is great to see, you know, um, these these people, if you're familiar with Hong Kong cinema, I mean, you will have come across many of these um, in more elderly roles later on, you know, with more modern Hong Kong cinema with, you know, faces like Lao Kong and others. Uh, it's great to see them here and, you know, in their youth, in their prime and doing action. This was a first watch for me. Um, my Previously, my early John Woo extended back to Princess Chanping and not the two films before, with this being the first. And you mentioned uh, The Dragon Tamers as uh, his official second film. So, it, you know, it was interesting to sort of see the progression, see the elements that will be better developed in later films. And when I say better developed, I, I just mean in, in terms of sort of gaining a sense of international recognition because I do think that those elements are used very well here and in an interesting manner. Yeah, I agree. He's a he's a director with ideas in a in a in a first film. It really uh, se- seems like that. It gives that impression. Uh, he has basic ideas of style and themes he picked up by working with uh, Master Chang Che. So it's it's certainly it's a result of being inspired by. He's of a big boss, I suppose, uh, but uh, he's not able to put his inspiration to full use. I mean, he's new after all. It, it was to come. But uh, there are some mature passages here that approach as semi-decent, considering the genre didn't always try to do character work and the character camaraderie between Henry Jung and Lao Kong. It's basic, it's not great, but it's it's he's trying to make it an, an integral part and it, that will... Um, it doesn't come to fruition, but I enjoy seeing it because we also know and can say to ourselves, oh, this was to become much better, how characters connect from different sides of the of the law and uh, and take on the big bad uh, by the end. You know, you got uh, multiple examples of it, even if it's even in his Kung Fu movies. Jackie Chan's co-directed action, I think, uh, doesn't stand out as such. It's, it's violent, it's loud, but uh, it, it has an energetic end that is uh, helped along by Fong Hakon's um, vicious presence. I think it impresses by the end. And really, why I wanted to do this and why I like doing this is going back to beginnings. It is indeed that uh, I like to fill in gaps, but also 
follow development if I can. And uh, we now know of the director's work and stylistic traits and his thematic explorations. And we know his content. It's, it's cliched by now. And and you you look back at it retrospectively via viewing such as this, and uh, therefore I can take an uneven type of uh, story and template. Um, so you know he he had been around Chang Chi as we talked of. He absorbed what he deemed to be cinematic content that he could creatively thrive on, exploring brotherhood and chivalry, uh, painted in blood and and slow motion, of course. And uh, a new director, unless he or she is really extraordinary doesn't let loose the entire roster in a sharp way from the get-go and so it doesn't happen here it's not a gem but perhaps it's also good enough that young dragons is simply a loud violent little basher with little to no directorial stamp Uh, it's very it's very easy it's uh, easy to uh, digest but again exploring beginnings is still very much something uh, uh, precious to me and i think if we briefly move on to the dragon tamers it's not this Oh yeah, now it's ten times better. It's another kung fu movie. It's uh, it looks more like a job, but it has some standout uh, action. It has a standout setting, being set in the Korean winter, and it's got uh, boobies as well. <laughs> it's, uh, okay, a John and John a John Boo movie. <laughs> All of a sudden, we, which which uh, as we talked about off air, it doesn't seem like that. That was like John's little young naughty idea. It seemed more like uh, we gotta spice things up according to someone else. So you you just shoot it. You're here to do the job. So um, but but the I I did like Dragon Tamers quite a bit for its uh, setting and uh, the action was kind of cool and uh, and some elements you realize are controlled by by someone else so so if we before we go into young dragons in general can you see that dragon tamers or do you perceive dragon tamers to be like oh yeah he's getting better or it's still an early work and it and it looks like it there's definitely definitely a jump in terms of technical prowess with the dragon tamers you know you can you can see a clear progression in both the narrative and a lot of the character structure yeah, I mean, I was kind of taken aback because there's oh, this. I shouldn't watch this in the living room in the daytime. Fight scene. There's this fight scene amongst you know the. It's it's basically these university girls taekwondo team, and uh, they have a altercation inside a locker room spa kind of thing, and robes come off during the fight, and I was. I was not prepared for that, you know, coming off Young Dragons. I was like, oh, I, I didn't okay, push well. this on you. You were like exploring on your own here. So yes. it's, it's, not, it's not like it's my fault. It's, it's completely on me. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that, that being said, you still get some of the same ideas with the sense of brotherhood between the two leads. Um, it still kind of develops into a, a somewhat typical ending, but then... He throws a wrench in the works right at the end, which which was surprising, which I really liked because most films of this genre where you've got two leads, you know, uh, the two leads go and they have to double team a big bad. And here it it becomes something different. And I don't want to spoil it because for, for people who haven't seen it, you should really check it out. I like when a film does something that's different from what the standard convention is. And, and they do that in The Dragon Tamers, which I really liked. But like this film, Young Dragons, where I said this Young Dragons kind of lives in the shadow of the big boss, I do think Dragon Tamers 
lives a bit in the shadow of movies like uh, Hapkido or mm. When Taekwondo Strikes. Yeah. Um, so there are elements of that, too, where I think maybe the producers, maybe the powers that be were saying, OK, this was a successful thing. So we kind of need to follow along here. Here's a young director. You know, you take this this kind of project on. Um, maybe we will explore that uh, and rewatch that nudity uh, uh, someday in Dragon Tamers, but <laughs> we're here in, uh, in the Young Dragons. And I mean, I, I, I talked of the the action isn't inventive or anything, but uh, it's it's era specific in a way. And I'll explain. Fairly powerful with Fung Hakon, sort of early, you know, setting himself up as up as a decent, vicious presence. He was um, comfortable in the bad guy roles and. Uh, these you know he follows through with his punches and there's always loud sound effects to accompany it and that's very era specific if you listen to kung fu movies these type of fight foley effects they got um that was something senses went after as well that it's it's too loud it's too impactful it's it gives off too much of a violent uh impact so as the 70s went on you didn't get that much grit in that coming through orally if you will so but but here here it is i mean it's it's unrefined punching and blocking and kicking so it's more of a you know messy gritty basher type of martial arts film and i, I enjoy that and uh, it, it doesn't fully convince us that it's the gem of that sort of subgenre if you will but uh, there, 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 there's a, a violent tint to it for in one latter scene i think so someone gets kicked from from both the right and the left side and there's a shot of blood coming out of that uh person's mouth and uh, it's basic it's not this technical greatly technical achievement or anything but i like the violent tint to it and a shot like that where someone gets kicked from each side and then the blood coming out of his mouth it might have been one of the cuts for the original cinema version so it's that you know that type of action the, the basher type of action the, the loud gritty not quite on the level on the big boss but you know what you see here in Young Dragons, uh, and you know the you know which era it comes from. Is that all compelling? Uh, what's happening here, even if it's not Jackie Chan, you know, breaking out as a as an action director? You had mentioned before that we do get some sort of staples in the action sections that he would continue to use on, especially later as he gets into sort of the gun fu, gunplay genre. I don't think there's anything that really stands out necessarily for Jackie Chan. Um, I think the fight choreography really does look very indicative of the era. But if you compare this film with the next film, The Dragon Tamers, because on this film, it's it's got co-martial arts or action directors, Jackie Chan and Chan Chun. Chan Chun is the sole action director for The Dragon Tamers. And I think there's a clear distinction in the kind of martial arts style that's being portrayed. We've talked about before when we talked about when Taekwondo strikes, how that style is portrayed much harder than your sort of standard sort of uh, Kung Fu genre. And I think that is carried over into that film. This film, the the action is, is again, not in a bad way, but it's just very typical for this period of you know sort of post big boss kind of fight scenes but get into the dragon tamers and you get carter wong in there and and you know there there's a lot more like physical hardness i think um that's on display there than here now that being said one thing that carries through this film to the next film and to later films is the slow motion stuff he loves to throw in the slow motion stuff and really here i mean i have i have notes that it just it stands out 
there's a scene where one character is basically, you know, getting killed. And as he's killed, he's like rolling off a cliff. That is right out of his uh, teacher's uh, book of tricks. That is Chang Che, because as much as I love Chang Che, he milked his slow motion death scenes sometimes. A lot of rolling down hills and, you know, a, a bloody stomach because he's been stabbed or whatever. So that looks more like, oh, Master did that. So I'm going to do that. Not ra- rather than his own sort of tweaked vision of mm. how to uh, milk a, or uh, create an impactful death scene. So that that is literally like a Xerox copy of Chang Chia kind of at his worst. Because it was not always like fetching to see Fu Sheng or Ti Long or David Chang nearly dying towards the end or dying towards the end. And it's, go, it's, it's going on for 30 seconds in slow motion. Now, John got really good at picking the really unexpected moments for slow motion, like a second or two. But here it's more like, I'm super young and Master, master did this. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, Look what I can do. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it, it really, um, it, it's uh, it's one of those, like that doesn't come from you. You're imitating, but you're obviously, you obviously imitate that to the degree where you created your own creative um, instincts for cl- slow motion. And he certainly, uh, certainly did. Uh, it all looks on par with an indie as well. Uh, there's no huge distinction in the interior work and the costumes. Uh, it's it's suitably representing uh, the era of uh, kung fu filmmaking. You know, exteriors are sometimes suitably gritty and real for this arena of violence. There's certainly no comedy except one scene. I'll get to that. Um, so, um, and, and, you know, small town power play, violent forces at the helm, gambling dens, brothels, you know. That grit in some cases of um, of other filmmakers and other movies it can be elevated through powerful violence uh, if it's a, a little bit of a greater tale this isn't a great tale it's functional stuff uh, rather than um, an affecting you know violent arena uh, arena of violence um, you know if we disconnect ourselves from what John Woo would become this barely stands out in the massive amount of kung fu movies that came out but now it does because we know what it led to. Um, so, uh, but by no means, um, you know, bottom of the barrel or anything. Uh, there's uh, some fist-to-fist cast connection here. Henry Yu was in it, and then uh, later on, Lao Kong would be in John Woo's Last Hurrah for Chivalry. Uh, that, that was his uh, wuxia film, Last Hurrah for Chivalry. Really, one of his uh, standout films in the seventies. Well, now something's happening with his exploration of character opposites and. Uh, a bloody brotherhood that you don't uh, that you don't expect to be formed and somewhat affecting certainly stylish in Lost Hurrah for Chivalry. So um, if, if you want to pick a point, because Hand of Death wasn't it, so if you want to pick a point where where you really see the true precursor for what was to come in terms of quality, Lost Hurrah for Chivalry is definitely, definitely it. I think it's uh, one of his gems in the 70s. So did, you, uh, did you catch that at, at, at any point? In home video life, I've seen it. Yeah, a long, long time ago. Um, my my memory of it is quite faint. Uh, it's worth a revisit. Uh, Fong Hakon is in it. He also choreographed the action, so it's, there's some really, uh, really exemplary swordplay scenes. Uh, Wei Pai and Damian Lau are the two uh, sort of character opposites in uh, in that one, and uh, one of Wei Pai's uh, better uh, roles. So he was one of the Venoms and. Uh, they tried to brand him as a star and never really, never really worked out. He was the cheeky chap 
you know, the cheeky chap <laughs> out of all out of all movies to remember. Uh, so so you had those character opposites, you know, Kin Henry is King and Lao Kong's uh, Fan Ming. You know, they're they're curious of each uh, about each other. They're sort of admirable of each other to uh, to a degree, and by the end they they team up. But uh, it's as many things are in this movie. It's a beginning of uh, exploring that type of. Uh, I don't want to call it character drama, but character connection, as it uh, tra- translates into into action and all of that. So, uh, obviously, there's personal motivation for Lao Kong to come back uh, for for the Tammy Chan character, and he 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 needs to have revenge at the same time. So, uh, like Chang Chia's movies, uh, women doesn't play a, an integral part necessarily in this one. But uh, you know, you know, it w- was it more enjoyable knowing that John Woo would get better at these character team-ups in uh, whether we're talking hard-boiled or uh, again lost or over chivalry but we did, did it make the viewing enjoyable to see like oh he's trying here with the characters of kin and fan ming but it's not necessarily panning out but this will get better so does that help a viewing knowing that it would get better at least again you've already kind of elaborated on the point that it's interesting to go back through an early filmography and see where some of these ideas are are being toyed with and that's it's very clear here i think that the chemistry between the leads is uh, very interesting i wasn't i mean because of the nature of the the narrative here you've got um the sort of the central character played by uh, henry yu yang uh, he's like a thug um and and he's not necessarily a nice guy and it's kind of you know uh, he he's he's basically being thuggy in the underworld and doing some stuff that makes you go, am I supposed to be rooting for this guy? And then Lao Kong's character comes in and um, they kind of develop this camaraderie, camaraderie and you grow to like him through that camaraderie. So I think that really works. And one of the things that I think John Woo likes playing with is this idea of you get it, getting characters from two different worlds or two different cultures. You know, that again, this plays out very well in things like you know, a better tomorrow or the killer or even, you know, once a thief, you get these characters who end up becoming friends, even though they should be, they shouldn't be. That is at play here. And I think that that works here. And, you know, kind of like by the end of the film, I was kind of like rooting for these characters. Is it more effective the further he goes on? I think so. I mean, again, if you compare this film with um, the Dragon Tamers, right, I I think that kind of relationship that's established there it's it's not just kind of a guy from the underworld you know cop cop and robber kind of thing there it's more of a cultural and racial thing but it still works and i so i think that um you know he he likes putting in that diversity as an element of of the connection which works really well where if you look at a lot of films from this era where you've got dual heroes they might be like from you know different kung fu schools or something and they have to come together and use their styles to to beat the big villain um so that's a very common thing but i think it's less common here is where you get sort of the the the, this mix of characters from across different realms yeah yeah, he certainly explores it and he treats it seriously i mean for for henry you said i i kind of agree that he he becomes more likable because it's not a particularly cool lead act with him, you know, always carrying his, uh, uh, has his cigarette in his cigarette holder 
at the side of his mouth and fighting with it. And I like, oh, yes, yeah, so what? Fine. I mean, it's a kung fu movie. So, but uh, it it gets more interesting. It's sort of forced, but but they it gets in, it gets interesting as John Woo has the characters switch life philosophies with each other. It's a it's a little clunky, but I I do like what I'm hearing and seeing in development because they talk about at one point they 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 have little musings on what is ugly in life what is beautiful in life which, which sounds tacky when i say it but it's it's it, it's philosophical depth even if it's a little bit like oh monologue you know monologue with my back to to the character my arms behind me i'm gonna monologue now but it shows that he's thinking uh, a little bit uh, he's he's also playing it straight and he's uh, you know, we're far away from kung fu comedy being dominant on the market, but I, I could appreciate that he's playing it straight and he's trying to communicate ideas, but he's very new, so it's not landing necessarily going straight to us mentally or going straight to our hearts or anything. But the seriousness, uh, seriousness of it, and the, the sort of valid dramatic passages, I take something away from from the movie based on that. Knowing it's John Woo, but talking about it. There's not a whole lot of kung fu movies at the time that they, they were even more clunkier if they did attempt to uh, craft some depth, some philosophical depth. So Young Dragons is scoring a few little points here. That is not bad for for the atmosphere of uh, of the movie, of the drama. It's not terribly refined, of course, but uh, it it stays true to its mood. That's something to be appreciated for for, for a new director. And he didn't drop this, as you talked of Paul. He uh, he kept, you know. Hammering, hammering away at this theme and it started to uh, hit home you know I, I think you would appreciate uh, a rewatch of Last World for Chivalry that you know it's very much a precursor to what he would do with guns later on including in the drama department um, it's great the connections in those movies there there's far too little for a true meaningful connection between Henry Yu and Lao Kong here but there, there is a, a, a nice sense of you know philosophy Right side of the law, wrong side of the law, wrong and right. And uh, that, that Henry Yu then decides to uh, honor his connection by uh, avenging uh, avenging him, you know, uh, picking up his fan at one point, his, uh, uh, where he's shed blood, where Lao Kong's character has shed blood. Yes, it's it's clunky, but they're not out of reach for John. It seems like they say he, he's on to something here, playing up drama in a kung fu movie and taking it seriously. He's on to something here. And, that's very much appreciated, and it's not a bloated movie either. Ultimately, it's a short kung fu movie. That 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 is uh, committing to it is actually quite admirable. Even if an, a new director is coming off as somewhat clunky here, he he certainly did not give up on it, Paul. This was something that uh, he stayed with, and it paid off uh, big time. Whether the most in a better tomorrow, or the most in the killer. I mean, when I think back on it, it's probably the killer that is the template for the John Woo thing across the board, you know. Tani Chen is here. Um, she's got some decent dramatic beats here. Again, speaking of John Woo taking uh, this movie seriously, as she uh, goes through some beats of wanting vengeance, but also uh, this internalized fury, but also then sort of deflates and uh, resigns mentally and wants to die in this resigned uh, manner. And they didn't play it in a... In that uh, sort of shallow melodramatic way, uh, there's some nice little underplayed, non-verbal beats here, and one of the best slow motion. <laughs> this is gonna sound horrible, but it was surprising uh, when Tani Chen at one point gets slapped. You get that brief bit of slow motion, 
that was um, surprising. It's a it's it's hard to watch when he elongates it for a few seconds. In this scene, that there it go, I think it's Fung Hakan that is is uh, slapping her. Then after that shot, he does one shot that does go on for long, like Chang Che would, but not as. So he's he's got some interesting uh, thoughts on where to emphasize but not overemphasize uh, slow motion so there, there, there's some glimmers of instinct here even if it's all sort of ham-fisted and who knows if the sexual violence of this one was sort of uh, his independent producer friend saying well uh, you're making a drama so uh, let me let me have an let me add my idea of drama titties <laughs> so yeah it uh, it it's not as kooky as dragon tamers but the, the scenes you describe in dragon tamers they're not uh they're not sexual violence. It's uh, it's uh, it's cat fighting, really. So uh, do with the, do what you like with that in terms of uh, is a great entertainment or just sort of ham fisted. Well, it is what it is. It might have sold some tickets. So uh, who are we to argue? But uh, here it's more um, here's more um, exploitation, if uh, if anything. So um, so I don't know what else to say. I think that uh, I, I, I think the best action is towards the end. Uh, there's some good speed to the Henry Yu and Fung Hak on exchanges. Now the Jackie Chan and Chan Chun action feels like hard beatings and uh, brutal beatings. And these guys want to beat the shit out of each other. And one needs to die, die at the very least. And it, it, the movie saves the best for last in terms of that impact. Uh, so um, it's supposed to be angrier and harder by, by the time we reach the ending. And I think uh, that's when those men's work, I think... Uh, is at its best uh, towards the end. So, uh, so any notes on on the ending action um, in terms of uh, the impact of it, if it was powerful or not? It was powerful. The one thing that's kind of stood out in my mind as I was watching it was this was shot in someone's backyard, <laughs> and it literally was. Someone had a house and a lawn. Yeah, they had a they have they had a house, and you you see the house. The characters kind of come out of the house, and then there's a nice sort of. Uh, uh, seascape view so i'm not sure exactly where this would have been you know in hong kong but uh it's 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 a nice view but then a lot of it is like right right there kind of in the yard and i was trying to keep count if you're a film nerd you you know you look for continuity and stuff and you know he's henry is going through the the initial thugs and knocking them down they're like landing in certain places and then when he's on to the the big fight the bodies are still there and i'm like hmm are the bodies in the right place you know, so I'm like going back because it's 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 very much a yard. And look, I get it. It was low budget. It was his first film. Obviously, they're not going to go to sort of a big expensive set and bust that up. They're not going to go to some indoor location and have a lot of things that can be that need to be broken, you know, for reshoots and stuff like that. So it was a an ideal choice, um, you know, for for budgetary concerns. It was interesting to watch and and sort of kind of kind of pair up um, as the the shots are going, the continuity of it all, and and it still works really well. I you know the action's good, it's it's on par, it, it, it looks physical. Um, it's not a case of a lot of you know starts starts and stops in places as you sometimes get. So um, it, it was quite impressive. And Jackie wouldn't focus personally on this being his action traits, uh, the violent, uh, as the uh, decade uh, went on and he got more chances to uh, choreograph action for uh, for Lorway mainly. This wasn't the type of action we got and obviously it got more comedic and more intricate in a different manner. So um, 
it, it's uh, it's interesting to watch that uh, this was uh, the type of job he uh, he got to do but uh, it looks more like uh, what his big brother his big big brother would do uh, Sammo Hong it's the type of action he would do and uh, he would create greatly fun and powerful and loud action across those Golden Harvest movies that you mentioned with uh, When Taekwondo Strikes and uh, Hapkido things like that so it isn't really for Jackie but it, it's certainly cool to um, to see him uh, on board with uh, with uh, a more bloodier affair if you will uh, the only piece of comedy by the way represented by none other than the late great uh, Dean Check in a scene that <laughs> I don't know if you, you, you could probably cut that out and you, you, the movie would not be affected at all. So even in 1973, they knew Dean Sheck can be used, maybe not trusted, with uh, some goofiness. He plays a customer at a brothel that gets... Uh, he finishes, let's just say, by just touching the skin of uh, the character Hu Chin plays. So it's a little... I'm done. <laughs> so there you are. Way before Snake and Eagle Shadow and all of that... Uh, a little glimmer of comedy would make it into these uh, movies because I don't think Dean Sheck is in another scene in the film. That's his sort of... Uh, he, he's, uh, he's a paying customer. And that's it. So just, uh, just yeah. let, let him get out of here after that. So This is a good film for, you know, early uh, uh, star spotting for fans of cinema. Not only Dean Sheck, but Xing Fuyan is in there. Um, let's see, Corey Yoon is in there, uh, Mars is in there. I mean, just lots of people. John Woo himself is in there, as, as you, you sent me a, a still from. Um, so lots of people to just sort of go back and freeze frame because uh, a lot of them are in like no name roles, you know, just uh, extras are in the background. So, yeah, I spotted Mars, uh, but you're right, uh, uh, Xing Fion is identified as like a, a one fice uh, Fung Hakon's character's uh, attendant with bird cage. It was like, yeah, let's look back on uh, the man who uh, who would um, define triad uh, movies, uh, uh, including for John Woo, uh, in a big bad way. So, uh, uh, but I did spot Mars uh, one or two times, so that was uh, that was pretty cool. W- working, uh, adding experience, uh, uh, including uh, on screen experience. So that's pretty pretty damn cool. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll conclude what i have to say right there so anything else you want to share no uh, i mean it's a it's not an easy film to get a hold of but um it's definitely one that if you are interested in john woo or the martial arts cinema in general it's one you should try and track down yeah it's it's been out there um but um so let's go over the options again um the french double pack with the dragon tamers um i i did find recently priced on ebay and um, i had the ability to source a custom versions of both uh, films uh, to have uh, English subtitles uh, uh, put on them. Um, but, but I wanted to own the version, uh, the edition as well, because it's pretty cool that they um, no, no, no one would pair up uh, with Dragon Tamers and Young Dragons other than the label HK Video. But, but it's available for a cheap price still on eBay and Amazon France. No English subtitles on the actual original DVD. I scanned a few sites that uh, revealed uh, no in-stock option for the Joy Sales editions, uh, either VCD or DVD. Uh, again, the Hong Kong DVD was nearly uncut. Uh, uncut violence, cut for sexual violence. Uh, so keep looking at it and see if you can find a, a reasonably priced copy of this uh, movie from the initial stage of uh, John Woo's career. And Dragon Tamers, I don't think, got anything else than a VCD in Hong Kong. Uh, it had... Um, uh, US DVD though but uh, but yeah uh, so um, a few things have popped up uh, here and there but currently this is uh, uh, 
uh, this is where we are but um it's uh it's an essential essential watch and not a bad watch and not, not a uh, slog or anything to get through so certainly points of um of interest uh, out of my sort of personal curiosity uh, princess Xiangping, is it like a pale imitation of the great operas of li han shang's lovetani uh, kingdom and the beauty or or is it up there as a, one of the one of one of the unsung gems out of uh, Huang Mei operas? No, I think it's it's definitely up there. I mean, they for a lot of these films the, that uh, were released in sort of the legendary collection and later the the celestial collection, only a few of them have gotten the the Blu-ray treatment. Now, whether the Blu-ray treatment has been you know, worthwhile or not is, is up for debate depending on the kind of specs you like. But this is one of the films that, uh, that has been moved over to Blu-ray. Um, I believe, uh, the, um, you can also get it easily on, uh, services like iTunes in HD looks great. Um, is it a great film that really depends on how much you like, uh, traditional sort of, uh, Cantonese opera, um, I love it. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Cantonese opera. I'm not an expert on the genre in any, any way, shape, or form, but I love the, the operas. I love the Huang Mei operas. Princess Changping's not my favorite uh, of them, but it's one that I think is really well done. It's weird, though, that it was given to John Woo as his third film. It, it, it's like if they would have taken something like, I don't know, um, uh, a big musical like Les Mis or something and given it to someone who we know as a stylistic director today, like maybe an Edgar Wright, you know, and said, here, here's your third film. And you don't really get any of his isms, you know, you don't get any sense of his taste um, in it because it's such a straightforward piece. If, you, if you're familiar with the opera films that they shot, much of it is shot like it would be done on the stage. It's just a lot more elaborate and a lot more cinematic than typically doing it on the stage but there are rules to doing these and i think he was really constrained by the rules the expectations for doing that because that's what the people of the era expected that's what they wanted to see so if you like that yeah i think it looks great it's interesting because there are i want to say two or three sort of second unit shots um, because the story takes place during the fall of the ming dynasty and so you have these external shots that sort of cut away from the, the lead actors at times to show, you know, invaders in the city. <laughs> and it, it doesn't really gel. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's very clear that it was a, <clears throat> you know, different kind of lighting and a little bit different cinematography. So it can be, a, it can be almost a little bit uh, disrupting um, of, of, a, of the experience when you see those sort of cutaway shots, but it doesn't take away from the film at all. And as a director, I think he it was a job. He did it. He did it very well. And again, it's one of the more entertaining ones that is out there. Is it for every John Woo fan? No, absolutely not. If you are somebody who has not got an interest in Cantonese opera or, uh, you know, even the more popular tales like this one, it's not something I'd say go out and spend money on unless, you know, you are something you're somebody who's willing to to try and give it a go and try and educate yourself a bit more about, you know, why things are done the way they're done and, and why the thing, you know, it's like opera singing. It's like, why is it done that way? It's, it's, you know, it's because it's a part of tradition and they have certain standards that they have to meet. 
but as a as a piece of work i think it's great and uh yeah so we're done for this um episode and uh, we're gonna sign off so uh, this has been our uh, coverage of john woo's debut feature and we're gonna try and continue to um more consciously start filling in the gaps as i've said of of directors like john directors like choi hak and so forth so uh yeah because i, I enjoy doing that and um uh, having a record of it not just a written record so i'm gonna try and be a little bit more conscious about that i like a project even though covering the essential directors of the golden age well there's a lot of them therefore a lot of movies and uh, we've done a lot of movies in the past for the podcast on fire network when we're not you know at the halfway point of uh, a sort of desired volume to cover or anything so we'll have plenty to do so uh, this indeed was our coverage of uh, the young dragons and for all your podcast on fire network needs including social media links and where to find us on uh, itunes and uh, stitcher and spotify and all that go to podcastonfire.com and uh, any relevant links uh, connected to this episode will be available in the show post i'm gonna find the the trailer because uh, it was funny uh, the movie has some uh, recurring cues that are like stolen 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 can't identify it Defo stolen. Watch the trailer. It has music that um, are gonna be very familiar to Western uh, uh, Italian Western fans, but it's not used in the movie because uh, one of the key uh, themes and cues in the trailer is from the Big Gundam, the very distinctive Morricone score for for the Western starring Lee Van Cleef. Not in the movie. So they stole separate music. Like uh, this is this is the theft that's going in to the movie that we won't pay royalties for, and this is the theft that goes into the trailer that we won't pay royalties for either because um that's not a thing that we do and <laughs> so we're just gonna we're just gonna go ahead and steal uh the big gun down would have worked in the movie too because uh, put morricone onto uh, onto and into kung fu cinema and uh, you got uh, sort of majestic gold but uh, but no so uh, i'm gonna look up the trailer because it's an interesting viewing experience having a, a different music there and that piece of iconic score by morricone from the big gun down at any rate, we, I think we're going to sign off. So uh, I've been Kenny B. And with me was uh, Paul Fox. So thank you to Paul for um, taking this trip down, um, uh, not memory lane, because it was your first time uh, viewing the film, but uh, certainly a trip down uh, trip down John Woo lane. And uh, this was the first stop. And um, so thank you for your contribution and your participation. Thank you. Cue the slow motion flying doves. Boop, boop, boop.